Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the new media show. My name is Todd Cochran. Of course, I've got my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenlee, with me this morning. Good morning, Rob. Good morning, Todd. It's always uh, it's always a good day. Saturdays. I love Saturdays. There's nothing better than Saturdays. Absolutely. I woke up at 5.15 with thunder and lightning just booming. And uh, we don't get thunder and lightning here in Hawaii. Like, it's rare. I mean, maybe once a year. And... Uh, and we knew it was coming we knew that they have got a flash flood warning but it's actually quit raining and this is this is gonna sound bizarre i have fog right now so wow. <laughs> that doesn't ever happen here but you know we had a cold front come through so anyway um it may rain and thunder while we're doing the show which will be fun hey a little little background sound yeah as right? long as as long as the power doesn't go out we'll be good <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, that was enough on the weather report. How are you? Doing okay. It's been a rough winter. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to spring here. So it's, it, it seems like it's right around the corner. And actually, given that uh, I'm going to Podfest down in Orlando, it's uh, it's going to come a little early because it's going to be nice and sunny and warm down there. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited to go down and uh, actually going to celebrate with uh, uh, my daughter. She just. Uh, told me that she's uh, gotten hired for a new job she was uh she was working for kate spade um in the tampa area and she's uh got picked up to launch a new clothing line with some company i don't don't even it's one of those you know fancy uh french words of some sort and <laughs> so anyway she's uh got a big promotion and so i'm excited for her so we're gonna we're gonna celebrate and i'm gonna see her in tampa then drive over to orlando Oh, that's fantastic. Tyler. Yeah. Yeah. So a dedication. Really makes that work. trip worth it then. Yeah. Well, well, it just goes, makes it worth it just to go see her in the first place, you know? So. I know. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great event. And, you know, I'm just kind of, uh, the team, at least my team was working on handouts and, you know, stuff for the event mm -hmm. and, uh, I'm just, uh, yeah, so it should be fun and going down and hang out with podcasters. And I want, I just, I'm thinking, I wonder if this uh, group's going to be a little different than the, than, because it's down, you know, really in the Southeast, if that's yeah. the right way to say it. But, um, you know, being that we've had uh, events in Vegas and, you know, on the East Coast and West Coast in Chicago, we've, I've never really attended a, a podcasting event. Um, in the southeast so we'll see what the the mix of people is yeah i agree i mean i haven't been down to orlando in that area since uh, <clears throat> i left my job uh, working for the florida department of citrus <laughs> so right. i spent a i spent a few years as a state employee um so i used to go down on a on a regular basis down down to florida this was back in the back in the late 90s well i so i the last time i spent any appreciable time in in uh, Florida was when I was uh, in the Navy as a, a young 19 year old. And I tell yeah. you, I was one Pensacola area and fellas <laughs> 19 in Pensacola. Yeah. Two thumbs up. Oh my God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Beaches and bikinis. Is that beaches the, and is bikinis. That the word? Yes. Bikinis. <laughs> I mean, the hell with the beaches. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was wonderful. So yes, yeah. and I did not have a misspent youth. I had a very, <laughs> I'll leave it at active, that. Active yes, youth. yes, I had a great yes. time. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so 
Yeah, a little more reserved going down, a little more scourly. <laughs> but you know, one thing about Florida, you know, and, and, and get, we, uh, I've been to Key West several times and man, people in Florida know how to party. <laughs> they, that's because they're doing it all the time. They, they're, they're experts they at it. party like no one else on the planet. I, you know, and maybe, you know, Key West is just kind of set up for it, you know, and, yeah. And but uh, still, I so anytime you're in Florida, you're, there's no lack of bars. So it's <laughs> and, you know, I think that was even the home of a uh, drive-through liquor stores and stuff when that was maybe they're still <laughs> maybe they're still there, I don't know, but uh uh anyway, it uh yeah, so we'll have a good time. I don't think we'll be yeah. doing too much drinking or else we won't get any work done. <laughs> well, you know, it's a it's an area of the country that people um take vacations yeah, to and, yeah, have a, yeah. and have a good time to go to. It's a way to get away and thaw out. <laughs> it's also a, a, a home of a lot of snowbirds. So, you know, it, uh, yeah. you, so when you're down there driving, be careful, <laughs> be careful because there'll be a lot of uh, elderly people not driving as fast. I don't yes. know. I don't know around the Orlando area, but uh, definitely Zephyr Hills and you know, those types of yeah. areas for sure. Yeah, it's but, a place where people from the Northeast go to. Uh, yeah, escape the winter. To, uh, well, you know, for arthritis reasons and other things, right? It's paradise. Hey, Rob, it's to escape the snow. <laughs> I know, exactly. It's not about arthritis, yeah. it's to escape the snow. But yeah, yeah. Anyway. Definitely. Lots so, of, lots of news. What's new, going on? Lots of news. I mean, I lots of news and, uh, you know, a lot of stuff happening in the space and, and it's deals. Lots of deals are being announced, um, which I find interesting. Uh, one of the big ones this week was a, an, a press release that came out from How Stuff Works. Um, they're working with uh, AdsWiz and this is probably the first, this is probably the biggest deal I've heard come out of uh, AdsWiz. But uh, they are um, bringing dynamic advertising to their uh, to how stuff works podcast library. So yeah. the challenge with the you know this is this is another move on programmatic. So you know I don't know exactly if they're going to do baked in host sponsored ads or if these are going to be a lot of pre roll or what. But I, I bet you it's going to be a mix of both. Yeah, I do feel a uh, a lot of momentum towards dynamic ad insertion right now, at, at, as well in combination with this. I I just think it's the it's something that we've been talking about this show for many years. Actually, is kind of that that movement towards you know more sophisticated ad models. Um, it comes with some perils, you know. It comes with some challenges. Um, not everybody can take advantage of it yet, but um, Hopefully, it's something that can be built to to enable you know all levels of shows to be successful around ads. Um, if if those shows want to do that, and if those shows can cater to that um, that type of a revenue model, so I mean it's exciting to see it happen. You know, I you know working at, at the places that I've worked before, I've I've seen the whole model and I've seen how it works, and um, and, and I know Todd, you and I have been talking about this for a long time and um it seems to be happening more and more now i think people are thinking about um you know doing the whole ad replacement thing in archives and things like that um 
more and more as well. So, well, you know, I mean, what's your thoughts on all that? Well, I, you know, my opinion on ad replacement in archives, Yeah. you know, how stuff works probably has a great long tail, you know, but not all content can do it. You're right. Oh, well, about 90% of it can't do it. Yeah. And you know, I had someone try to contest that to me the other day and I said, okay, prove it. Show me, show me your consumption lines, you know, and you know, this, 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 everyone, okay. Everyone's got a million listeners um, per episode. Everyone has long tail. But I'm here to tell you, and we've said it, and I've said this many, many times, bullshit. It's not true. You know, some, the show's a habit, man. You, you, you've got a great model. Keep doing what you're doing. You know, and for those shows yeah. that don't, you should strive, try to, but most can't, and most will never have long tail. So re- replacing the um, archive stuff for those that have long tail makes a lot of sense. Uh, Quick and Dirty Tips Network, obviously. How stuff works, obviously. You know, there's there's going to be some timeless content out there, but for the average podcaster, 90% of podcasters will get 90% of their lifetime downloads within the first 96 hours of their show. Flat and simple. Yep. Now, but they can still take advantage of those first 96 hours. Yeah. But the programmatic stuff is, you know, uh, they won't say how much they're getting. But one guy said it's better than getting nothing. But do you take yeah. 6 5 $4 CPM lower than YouTube to... With and remember that's that's gross. That's not net. That's before the vendor takes out their cut. And you can some of these networks it could be fifty percent. So you end up with three two dollar CPM. You can do better with banner ads. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, there's not a lot of shows that can tap into this right now. But what I'm seeing happen is more and more shows. Um, wanting to move this direction, irregardless of how strong their archives are, though, I, I, and I guess it gets back to cost too, right? Yeah. And what 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 does it actually cost to do it to do dynamic insertion across all your episodes, um, present and past? I, and, um, and I think that's, that's a model that you know, that's a model I'm looking at. Is what is it? You know, because you know we're going to obviously build something here at some point. It's been on our mm-hmm. list for a while, but we just, the reason we haven't built it, it's not been needed. But, you know, yeah. so do I build it? And then what is the, what is the ad rep? What is the model? You know, if it's a, if it's a commercial client, they're, you know, they're going to pay, pay per injection. If it's a average podcaster, it's probably just going to be on a rev share, you know? So, but, you know, some of these companies, they, in, they, um, they have an interesting pricing model <laughs> and their model is purely a, they, they don't, they make the money on the insertion. They don't make the money on the advertising. Yeah. But the other side of it too, is that, uh, I mean, though it does take some server resources to, to do this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I believe that a lot of the companies that are offering ad insertion are, have really, really high margins. Um, oh, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know that it, uh, that it's going to, really remain a premium service. Uh, I think it's going to 
going to get a lot cheaper. <laughs> well, it has to because once, you know, in, you know, some, some companies say, well, we rebuild the file on demand the instant the request comes in. You know how inefficient that is? Yeah, well, you know, they're but, probably not really doing that. No, but yeah. that's what they're saying, so that's why they're able to charge this premium. Yeah. So, you know. So we'll see what, what happens here. But so, you know, podcasters have to decide at some point. Am I, you know, and I think that in, uh, programmatic can be done where we can get the CPMs up at a higher level and it's just going to take a lot more work. But mm-hmm. um, what's that number where we don't scare the advertisers away? Is it 12, 13, 14 dollars CPM? Is it 15? I don't think we'll ever get 20. With programmatic, I don't think that's a that's a pipe dream. We might. Well, there's going to have to be better, much much better targeting for that to happen. The targeting's think, not a problem, though. Well, I know, but you know, a little deeper targeting than just geographical targeting. That's well, what I'm talking about. The demographic targeting is well. Let's be let's just be frank. You log into Facebook or you log into any major site and your IP is logged, and they know who you are, uh, that mm-hmm. feeds an ecosystem behind it that cross-correlates to other platforms. Yeah. And if you tap in, if you buy the service, if, if my company went out and subscribed for that uh, cross-reference information, the targeting is done. It's, it's so easy. Are, I mean, is anybody doing that, though? Uh, yeah, like I, art, I, I think art 19 and I think Edwiz Edwiz is saying that they're able to do demographic. And again, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not going to be perfect, but it's going to be pretty close and they know yeah. a lot about us. It's, um, I get pitched, oh, I get pitched every week well, on something that's just like, what really? You well, know, that's, what's going to keep the actual costs of doing it up. Oh yeah. So it's going to have to it's going to have to have a stronger CPM model that's not in order cheap. to to do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You, you, uh, because because most of the the dynamic insertion platforms are uh, mainly just geo targeted. Right. You can target down to the city or um, or country. Yeah, when you uh, when you're talking about adding demographic data to cross referencing for advertising, you, you know, you're talking five figures a month for a company like mine to engage that type of a platform. So if I'm, if I'm paying five figures a month for a, you know, a geographic targeting platform to integrate with a dynamic ad insertion system and the cost of doing that, yeah, oh yeah. And we're going to have to be running some serious volume, you know, there's going to have to be a minimum of a, huh, you know, it's going to be a minimum of probably a hundred thousand dollars a month going through on programmatic alone uh, to make it even worthwhile because the margins are going to shrink. And, and this is, you know, this is the, but do we need to do demographic? I, I don't think we do because let's be honest, we've already got this information and, and but this is what, this is what the programmatic people haven't figured out yet. So podcasters are listening in, in this demographic data, scaring the hell out of you. Well, that you're going to be spying on your listeners. You already know who your listeners are. Run a demographic survey and you get, you know, a 10% sampling or 5 or 6% sampling. You're going to know who's listening to your show. And because mm-hmm. it's not like we're going to know. 
It's it's we well we already do. So I call it, uh, I've been using this term for ten years. It's called the trifecta. Number one, we've got uh, the podcast stats, right? We know what the stats of the show are, and that and in that argument of having good stats has finally died down. We have incredible stats, so we have a uh, the stats data. Number two, you as a content creator know who you you think you know who your audience is, right? So that information is extremely valuable. And number three, you run a demographic survey and it's like a 12, 13 question questionnaire. It's not a hard age, marital status. Are you a male or you female? Are you married? Do you have kids? How much money you spend online? What, what, what are you into? You know, that's, that's a pretty good basic picture. Um, and you tie that together which I already have. I've got this tied together in a campaign system already that we built years ago. And I just plug this stuff in and it goes burp and it burps me out a list of shows to do on an ad deal. So and that's if the person has run a demographic survey on our system. So this data is already available. You just need a manual, some manual manipulation to get the ad set up and programmatic. What you have to do is you got to automate it, automate that. You got to, tie that platform into the programmatic platform. So when the person from tide, <laughs> I'm not, this is, I'm just, you know, Procter and Gamble or whoever makes that product, they go and say, we're trying to reach women married with babies, um, you know, stay at home moms, you know, and it, it's okay. I want to buy these 82 shows and, uh, they put their buy in and, Next thing you know, you got Tide running on your show. You don't do nothing. It yeah. just shows up. That's programmatic. Well, it, it kind of seems like, uh, you know, what happened to YouTube is definitely moving towards podcasts. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's it's just a matter of time. I, I, mean, I mean, Todd, do you think it's going to be, it could happen in the next year, you think? I think it's moving pretty fast. Yeah, I, I had thought that by the the end of this year. Um, but, you know, so this is where we need to hear from you. Those of you that listen to the show. If you have no advertising in your show, maybe maybe six, seven, eight dollar CPM sounds good. But, you know, you also have to do the math. It's getting, it's starting to rain here and I'm going to start getting feedback into my mic. So, um. I don't know. We need to hear from the audience. Are you guys ready for programmatic? Are you guys ready for six, eight, four dollar CPM gross? And through all this, what's going to happen to the more traditional model? The I don't the think that'll go director away. Director response folks and the host reads, well, all that kind of stuff. Over time, it could because okay, let's say there's someone's paying. Well, I, I had a call with a lady. And she's doing programmatic right now at 25, not programmatic, uh, host endorsed at 25. She's getting uh, three to five times return on revenue. So for every dollar she spends, she makes five. They are ecstatic. Um, they're, they are at, they're basically opening their checkbook and said, give me everything you can give me. Okay, and when someone says that, that means like, They'll spend a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars a quarter, 
Mm-hmm. Okay, they'll come in and they'll just because if they're making that much on the medium. Okay, so let's say they're making uh, four dollars for every dollar they spend, and if they can all of a sudden this programmatic thing shows up, and it costs six one fourth mm-hmm. of the cost, and they can still make two or three bucks, they'll you'll never see them back in host endorsed ever again. Because they can spend a little less money. Yeah. Make and it's easier. It's easier and make maybe just, you know, maybe half or a little better than half. So it all depends on the metrics. It all depends on how, how this is going to, you know, how this is going to play out. What the, what the response rate is. I'm, my contention is, um, a Geico ad. In a podcast, is going to be like a Geico ad on TV. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. You know, who who's yeah. responded to a Geico ad? They, someone must, because they keep running on TV. We all know they're, you know, if, if you've watched any TV at all, you know, what is, what is their tagline? Save 10%, right? Yep. Supposedly, I got Geico right now. My, you know, my insurance keeps going up i'm getting ready to call around tomorrow or, or monday and see if i can save some money not on geico but um get you in the door for cheap and then raise your <laughs> prices over time that's right. their that's their model right so okay thunder um so <laughs> so I, I i i guess we'll see but i i you could erode You could road to host endorse. The key will be is keeping host endorse at a multiplier on return on revenue much, much higher. Yeah, did you see where there was uh, some information that was put out from the IAB about the percentage of uh, media buyers that are buying audio? I did. So let me, I got this infographic on my... But being up, 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 up. Not that one. Uh, not that one. It's <laughs> yeah. That's the that's the YouTube live stream. So let me load up the right page. And by the way, we do have some folks on YouTube. We're also on Facebook today at, at facebook.com forward slash Cochran. But those of you on YouTube, uh, newmediashow.com forward slash live. If you want to get in on the chat room. Matter of fact, did I ever send that tweet out? I oh, that might help a little bit too. Um, yeah, I sent a tweet out. I sent it, <laughs> I sent one either. But what's interesting is that thirty-three oh, percent of the of the ad buyers that they had in this uh, study have experimented with podcasts. Um, but that's that's the highest percentage. You know, is it? And thirty-three percent had no experience and no plans to use. Well, <laughs> but also remember that was a broad. So some agencies are not digital agencies. Yeah, that's right. You know, well, at true. least more than a third are not digital agencies. Some of them don't well, have a that's, digital that's, arm. That's probably what that third represents there. Yeah. Okay, there's the chart. Um, let's see so here. It, so yeah. it looks like we're getting about 33% that have used it, uh, about another third that uh, have no experience. Um, but... but also have plans to use the medium. So, so we still have another third of the media 
buyers to come into the market. There's a, um, as a level of understanding scale, one equals no understanding, 10 equals complete understanding. Broadcast radio has a 7.9% understanding. DAB, oh, this, okay, is this of all media? Uh, DAB, I don't even know what that is. Uh, it's all audio. It's all just audio. Oh, except 4.3, streaming digital audio 7.2, and podcast 5.1. Yep. But if you scroll down, there's um, the current and media buyers experience with different audio formats. So that's a different chart that kind of really, really exposes, I think, more of the realities of the market right now, uh, you know, at least on the media buyer side. Yeah. And I, I brought that up. So let's see here. 5% regularly considers part of our activities. Yep. Yeah. So around 30%. Green is, green is uh, we have experience with it. So that's, those are the people that are doing it today. Yeah. Um, the, the yellow 29% is no experience, yep. but they do have plans to use it, which is that that market opportunity for podcasts right there. Daniel in the chat room says, as a listener, I hate programmatic ads. <laughs> it's for the same reason that you hate radio ads. Cause they're, they're oftentimes very similar. Yeah. And I, I think that, uh, we have to be, you know, in, in it, I understand, you know, if you are, have a business and you're trying to, you know, monetize, and this is this is the only op- opportunity for you. Well, I, I I don't I don't begrudge someone wanting to run programmatic if that's the only way you can get advertising. I mean, I think you know, you and I both agree it can be done in a way that maybe more straddles the the line between traditional maybe short radio ad type formats to host reads it can be there can be a spectrum there but it's going to require those platforms to think differently about what they're doing if they want to have host reads so as yeah. we both know yeah and i think they have to you know i think they really have to think it's really coming down here you hear it yeah i can hear it a little bit yeah it's not very loud and uh that's what happens what's weird is this this um studio is usually pretty good but when it rains out something to do with the rain and the screen interaction and my mic and it uh it's not good i have to close a window or two here in a second doesn't happen often um so anyway that's interesting an interesting study by iab yeah yeah so there's a lot of upside, it looks like, on the media buying side for podcasts. Um, so we'll see. I would imagine those are all the same folks that are buying buying into radio. Yeah, I would imagine so. Rob, can you talk for a few minutes? I'm going to shut the windows. Okay. I um, also also found an, an article online talking about um, the, the uh, combination of YouTube and podcasts, which it's been a – topic on this show for many years is say if this article uh says if you like these youtubers you'll love these podcasters so i'm not quite sure what they're trying to say there in some ways it doesn't uh, necessarily make a lot of sense but it goes through and 
lists a bunch of, uh, I guess, a, a YouTubers that I, I guess have uh, started doing podcasts. Yeah, yeah, I saw the, uh, I saw the article. I didn't load it, and um, I'm actually waiting for. It. And it's kind of funny they got Casey Neistat's picture right on the front of the of the article, but I don't think he is actually doing a podcast. He's now his company got bought by CNN and uh, he's back mm -hmm. to blogging once or vlogging once in a while. Uh, let me, oh, maybe they took his picture off. Let's see. Who are they talking about? Louise Pentland, I guess is uh, doing a, a podcast. And then you'll love reality bites with Stephanie Beatrix and Courtney. Kozak, I guess is her name. Yeah. And then who else? If you like Dan and Phil on YouTube, then you like my brother. I think these are just comparisons. These aren't the same. No, these aren't the same characters. These aren't YouTubers that have moved over. Oh, they're not? No. So it's just someone that has a show similar to. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, oh, I see. It's okay, AB it says, comparisons. Okay. It says, if you like. Dan and Phil, right? You will like, yeah. My brother, my brother, and me podcast. You know, okay. they say if you so like, Casey, it's kind of a loose connection. Yeah, <laughs> if you like Casey Neistat, you're gonna love Radiolab. No, no, no. Oh my God, they, they, this person doesn't know Casey Neistat. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. yeah. Well. <laughs> Move on. Anyway, if you want, if you want to try this out, it was over at wethunicorns.com. We the unicorns. Yeah. Okay. Is there, what is there's is there some sort of uh, is that some millennial reference unicorns? Well, I know what it means in the tech tech community, but I'm not sure what it means in, from a cultural perspective. I'm I, I think it's something big and and um, growing in popularity. Oh, okay. I think is what the 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 analogy of using that term on a website like this right. is that it's it's supposed to reflect a, a trend. All right. So the the chaos group running something called CG Garage apparently uh, has hit its one million download, and uh, mm. I'd, I'd like to see you know and you know that's that's a big accomplishment for any show to it, hit to hit a million. It is. You know, sure. And uh, when the ticker goes over to a million, that's very, very cool. You mm -hmm. know, and but you know they've uh, uh, they've done over a hundred episodes, so it took them a hundred episodes to get to to a million, which is really awesome. You know, so yeah. I don't know who's I don't know who's measuring them, but and I've never listened to the show. Anyone in the audience ever listened to this show at all? See, see, this is what's amazing, Rob. Is here's these shows that are doing. Great numbers, according to them, and yet <laughs> I have never heard of them. Never heard of the show before. So um, there's a lot of new shows out yeah, there. Yeah, a lot. So supposedly it's a it's a popular nerdist style computer graphics art podcast mm. with in depth and personal discussions with some of the top minds in VR and design and vfx you know i think what shocks me the most too and i used to do it a lot more and i, I stopped doing it because i just um 
I don't know, I got out of the habit for some reason, but I used to go like weekly into our, I can pull down a, a spreadsheet that shows um, one to you know, 42 or 43 or whatever the number is, thousand listings, and it shows the, uh, it breaks it down by total downloads per episode averages and a number of things that's in a spreadsheet. And uh, I used to pull that and I used to look at that like top 500 really on a regular basis. And I hadn't pulled it down until middle of this week. I pulled it down and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I just kind of, you know, I cannot like, it was like uh, getting slapped, you know, someone slapping the face. And it was, it was, you know, the fast repetition slapping. I was like, whoa, whoa, wow, whoa, whoa, where did that come from? So I, I've got a whole new listening list based upon just that quick review shows that I hadn't even breach my radar but I'm like wow so there is there's some significant movement in the space there are some shows that are um, I don't know if you've seen it on your side but you know yeah. when I see an, a, a show doing 600 650,000 uh, downloads an episode and like a year ago they were at like you know like 22,000 downloads an episode it just like it slams you, you know, you're like, wow, where did that growth come from? So mm-hmm. there's things are moving. I, and the show, their shows, their shows are, shows are growing. So, um, I'm going to start looking a lot closer at these shows and see what they're doing and see if I can get some insight to how yeah. they're growing. Well, and also it, it raises the question of, of, uh, how fast is the overall audience for podcasts growing? I, I mean, I think, you know, when the next study comes out, um, from, you know, from, <laughs> the, you know, the, from the yeah. folks that are doing Surveys. research around podcasting right. and are we going to see a big spike in, uh, in, in listeners? Um, it seems like we might, um, this growth trend and content, I, I believe is kind of leading the, the way on this, right? So we've got a lot of new content coming into all sorts of different genres, um, you know, the whole pol- politics thing has become a yeah. very popular thing. Here's some- and Go ahead. For the first time, the New York Times has a number one podcast. I've, I, I've never seen the New York Times podcast up in the number one position in iTunes before. It was not new and noteworthy, but actually number one in a category. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's called the, the Daily. It's sitting up there right now. Okay. And someone was talking about that a couple of weeks ago. A certain writer out on the East Coast. Um, hmm. yeah. well, you know, one thing that, uh, I thought was interesting though, is we've always said that, and some podcasters don't agree with this, but the, globally we see the, from about the December 20th through about the end of January is the number one growth month for podcasting. And some people says it's my worst month, but I always go back and ask them, have you, were you creating content? during the holidays. Uh, But what a certain podcast measurement company who has a ranking page, and I don't even want to give them credit for their ranking page because it's just their ranking page. Um, Their top 10 list, they made an observation that while listeners were growing across shows that they were looking at, it wasn't more listeners. It was more listeners listening to more shows. 
Binging a little bit, huh? Binging a little bit, but at the same time, I don't see that. I, I, I'm not seeing that same data. Now, maybe in that small group of shows that they were looking at, that was the case. So one's feeding the other. So this, you know, this is, this is interesting to think about a little bit. So you've got networks that are cross-promoting each other, and they're mm-hmm. driving people over to other shows. But if, if this, what this company says is true and that they are not gaining new listeners, that doesn't bode well for those groups. If they're not gaining new listeners. And what I would have considered the number one growth month in podcasting for the year being January, if they didn't see the new listener growth, it does not bode well for that lineup of shows. Well, does that new listener growth um, mainly happen in new shows? I I wonder. Um, it's hard uh, to it's hard to say. it's hard to know know for sure. Plus, also this this also plays into the thought of the value of of archives and dynamic insertion, right? If people are binge listening, then that definitely plays into the model of dynamic insertion across archives. Um, so I, I don't know if there's a narrative going on here that's uh, all kind of riding along the same pathway here. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not sure, Rob, but it's uh, to me it was telling, and um, you know we're you know here's how I know <laughs> more than often than not I know that there's growth in this space is when. Uh, uh, when we see surges, the Angela says, I need to, you know, expand a database or I need to, uh, uh, we need to up a server instance or, you know, whatever it may be. That tells me that there's, you know, <laughs> more volume going on because that's the only time he really needs to grow or make database changes is when there's volume changes. I, and I get a report every month that shows our, you know, our gross numbers, but um, it, uh you know, I know when there's when there's surges because he, you know, he kind of comes to me and, <laughs> hey, by the way, the the bill's going to go up a little bit because we need to put uh, uh, some more horses on the in front of the train. <laughs> but uh, so it's it takes uh, resources, yeah, yeah, yeah. The server resources, database resources. So I, I don't know. I, I I guess we'll see here. I I, I you know. I guess it's time to start crunching some numbers, but you know, it's really hard. It's really hard to actually measure the actual growth because current shows are always growing. New shows are coming on, bringing in new audiences. Um, you know, it's, I guess it's something, maybe we have to take a sampling of a, maybe we have to come up with a way to do this, come up with a couple of thousand shows that are, consistently creating content and run some statistical analysis against them. But again, it's, you know, how do you pick those shows randomly so that you get a good sampling? I, you know, I don't know. Or do you just take the top shows and use the top 500 shows and, and use them as a, it's going to be skewed a little bit. Yeah. If you do that, it will be skewed. Different agenda. So someone, some better math skills. If someone's got some mad math skills, you know, super mad math skills that want to take on something like this. 
Um, Crazy mad. Man. Well, it's going to take someone that's got some, some you know, that runs, uh, you know, like a bookie. If you're a bookie and runs statistical averages, you might be the guy or gal to, uh, <laughs> to help with these math problems. You know, because it's it's enormous, ginormous data sets. Yeah. Oh, it would be. It would be huge. Yeah, I like this. I just came across an article from the podcast post, I guess is the article name or something. Why I listen to podcasts and how you can too. Okay. So there's still articles out there trying to. I guess help people understand what a podcast is and well we need those those need to be how how to get it you know we need fresh articles like that all the time you know yep. so it's I'm glad what is a podcast is the first thing it says hmm uh, yeah yeah uh, the language here is uh, without coming off too technical a podcast is any audio file that is made available for streaming or download on a on a regular <laughs> basis on the internet okay. as part of a themed series or program. That's their that's their definition of a podcast. Well, they got that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> We're just too we'll give, too te- technically geeky on this. We'll topic. give them fifty percent on the answer response. Fifty percent. Yeah. <laughs> Fail. Fail grade. Yeah. <laughs> so Acast made an announcement, and you know, I'm, Acast has made a couple of deals. I, I had high concerns for them here recently with the departure of uh, Sarah, some staff. Yeah. You know, and uh, they say they've. And here's the here's the kicker here. They've added a logarithm driven recommendations. Ooh. Okay. So, but they only have their shows. They don't have a directory. I didn't know that they had a landing page or a listening experience. They, Did you? No. Oh, let's let's go over to their. Is it acast.com? Uh, I think so. Let's go over to their website. I didn't know they had a directory and had. They've got an app. So let me bring up their. I'm on the wrong browser. I should be working out of the other browser. Acast app. So, if so they do have a listening experience. Well, okay. probably for their shows. Yeah. Yeah. Oops, let me bring this up. So, so I guess they, let's discover more shows. How many do they have? So is this, uh, oh, Ake Discover, right? Yeah. So these are all shows that are part of their network. These are not... These are not shows that are. I wonder if. Uh, I wonder if Rob at Libson knows that uh, WTF with Mark Moran is on there. Is in there. So let's let's just look here. So let's uh, go to tech. I know some of these are not hosting with them. But how many shows do they have? See, so this is this they're... is. This is where they're doing some pass-through stuff, aren't they? Well, not much because their tech section is very thin. So, hmm, not well, e- that, Yeah, yeah, that's true. So let's go to comedy because I mean, there's the Nerdist, and so are they using a? They're not using a cast as a. 
Well, it's pretty easy to just add shows to a platform, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, but you're right. Yeah. I see the nerdist in here. Yeah. And you know, here's, here's another naughty thing that they don't do. This pisses me off with vendors that do this. They don't have an RSS feed. They have no link to iTunes. They have no link to Google play, you know, really? It's so, all about streaming, Todd. So, didn't you, so, so, did you get the memo? So I know that this show, I know that this show is hosted by Libsyn. I know without a doubt because Rob yeah. always talks about it. Yeah. You know? So here it is. It's listed on this website, and yet it looks like it's hosted by them. It makes it appear it's hosted by them, and it's not. Yeah. So anyway, they, they've got this discover thing. Yeah. Oh, this is a great example, right? The first thing I load, my dad made a porno. That's the name of the first show that showed up. Um, that uh, show used to be hosted on Spreaker, but they moved ACAST. Uh-huh. Gave them a deal they couldn't pass up. Free. <laughs> or something. Yep. yep. Don't worry, Rob. They'll be back in a few weeks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Um, yeah, you never know, right? But, you know, here's the deal on this. You know, it's, uh, so they say they have this discovery engine. All right, that's cool. I'm glad they got a discovery engine. But you can discover, what, 50 shows, 100? So, you know, I, I wish, you know, the folks, I, I, I love what uh, Rain is doing. and But I, I wish they would ask some more deeper questions. You know, I wish they would ask, and this, this article by, is by Anna Wazenko. I don't know. I don't know her, but she should have asked, how many shows do you have in your discovery engine? Yeah. Oh, we've got a hundred shows. And these are all shows that we host and we take care of and we monetize. Well, that's better disclosure. Right. And also, you know, Algorithm driven recommendations is not really anything mind bendingly new or no, no. unique. <laughs> no. Not at all. But, you know, good for them. Yes. They have a recommendation engine somehow that does something. So, um, you know, yeah. I, anyone can build a recommendation engine with only 100 shows. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's just some, that's some database clicking. That's really not even a, you know, you don't even have to build anything smart. You know, you yeah, if, I mean, Todd, if you back up and you think about it, I mean, you and I both know that, you know, you know, our respective platforms, if we put out a press release for every little update that we did to our, what, our platforms on a weekly basis, yeah. these guys would be flooded with news articles. Right. Um, I just wouldn't even think to put out a press release saying that we have – algorithmic recommendations oh no rob that's that's a big deal though oh really yeah it is people have been asking for discovery a discovery engine for podcasting for a while (laughs) i'm not hey that's why it intrigued me okay do you have a do you have a recommendation engine at 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 spreaker yes well i bet you most people don't know that i don't think it it's it's not something we're going to put out a press release about. Is it used? 
do you have statistics on if people are picking up shows from that um from that discovery engine well it depends on what the definition of a discovery engine is okay so right? all right so if i if, if you're listening to new media show and they go to spreaker and look at new media show do you give some recommendations from other shows you had listened to as well and mm -hmm. if okay so you do and if people subscribe to those shows and you have analytics on people subscribing to those shows, Rob, hell yes, that's a press release. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I don't I, know. And especially if you have measurable returns on that. Do you say, okay, when someone comes to the new media show listing, uh, on average, they're, uh, you know, they're subscribing to three additional shows. You know, if, if that actually okay. happens. At yeah, a, I mean, if there's some statistically significant thing right. that's happening that's a benefit. Right. I just don't feel like um, an algorithm that that recommends shows is anything significant in the space to jump up and down about. Is, um, is anyone else? That's just me. That's is, just any, me. is anyone else doing a recommendation engine? I would, I would think so. I mean, a lot of apps out there are, you know, I mean... I mean, it's. I think it gets back to another thing. Also, is that um, is an automated recommendation algorithm really that great of a thing versus a curated recommendation that's human curated, which is what we're really focused on. I, I think, would. Yeah, I would think human curated would probably be better. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's why I just don't put a lot of. But but human credence in but al algorithmic recommendations. But, I mean, I I got involved in this game when I was working at Microsoft and but, on on Zune, and they the the programmers were all gung ho about trying to you know replace staff. Yeah, right? they were going to build these recommendation engines that was going to say you know get this get this based on mapping to genres, and it's just like. No, that's that's not that's not going to be very effective because they wanted to get rid of the editorial staff. It was like a cost saving thing. It was right. like, well, we can build it so it'll do the same thing. And I go, no, I don't think so, guys. Um, the, that algorithm doesn't understand trend lines and and what's happening with content. Um, there's no way for it to. So the so the anyway. You know, and here's the only, so let me play devil's advocate a little bit here. So the, sure. the challenge with a curated list would be that Todd's preferences are going to affect the curated, my political, geo, family status, all that is going to affect a curated list. So in order to have an effective curated list, you have mm -hmm. to have mixed bag of people. You have to have a millennial. You have to have an old dude. Yep. You have to, you, you know, you're going to have to have a a a good mix, and then everyone yep. gets to vote. You know, I think this one, and it, it should be like, I think this one relates to this because of, you know, because. Yep. Well, that's exactly what we had at Zoom. I mean, if you look at, uh, I mean, not so much in the podcasting area because I was the only guy doing it, right? Um, but on the music side, we had music programmers that were. Um, we had multiple people in genres that were doing curated lists and playlists um, that were um, that had their ear to the ground with what was happening with the artists, yep. the culture, 
and the industry. And those folks were writing articles about music. They, they were engaged. They, they were music kind of geeks, right? Yep. They were involved in the, the medium. They could pull out a song from a new artist and say, this is going to be popular. And nine times out of 10, it became popular, you know? Um, so they could find those things, those new things and really apply some, some expertise to solving those. But you're exactly right. I think if you have to un understand what the demographics are of who those editorial people are and make sure that they're matching to who your target audience is. Um, so they can pick things that will reach the audience that you're trying to reach. And that's, that certainly was important. Um, but I saw that, um, over time being kind of, kind of depressed as the, as the engineering side was thinking, well, we can do it better with just, you know, an algorithm, you know? So, um, I think it, it, that's probably a little bit of a tug of war that Apple goes through, I would say. I know a lot of the the genres that Apple has for their podcast area in the iTunes platform are out, algorithmically managed today. Yeah, uh, and I don't think those are as good. I mean, if you if you were to talk to the the staff over there, Steve or James, that they'll tell you that they're much more proud of and probably see greater greater results on the human curated areas of iTunes than they see in their algorithmic areas. And Apple's a big company. They could apply a lot of uh, engineering to solving that problem, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, we've talked about it internally, you know, because it's it's a, you know, it's one of those ongoing pie in the sky, you know, let's build a discovery engine. And yeah. we talk about it and talk about it, and we, we go through the same things that you're talking about right now, the same minutia, um, it's hard. It's really, really, really hard to, to do something that would be effective. So, you know, hand created is probably as good as anything else. Uh, yep. My challenge is, you know, really from a curation staffing. stance, staff it. Yeah. You oh, know? yeah. It's a staffing cost. I mean, if you can't afford oh. to do it, then, and, and oftentimes when I see an algorithmic discovery platform, it, what it blinks to me is they can't afford to do it. Um, any other way. So they, right. they have to create an algorithm that'll, because they can't staff it. Yeah. You know, if, you so, know, if I was to, you know, because, because we chose to have the entire podcast directory, 300 and whatever thousand listings are in the system right now. How, how do you, how do you tackle that? You know, that, yeah, uh, it's a, big, it's a yeah. big job. And, you know, so, you know, I've told this audience and you before I, I, continuously about every two weeks, you know, listen to about a hundred new programs and, uh, you know, and a lot of those programs don't get much of a listen. They get three, four minutes, maybe five. If they really intrigue me, maybe 20. Um, but you know, I've learned where that, that button is to get the next one in the stack. And, you know, I just build a custom, my cast feed off the, our generator and it feeds it to me. Their, you know, their newest episodes went, in a, you know, in a linear form, a mixed one after another. And, uh, um, and I try to take little notes here and there, but it's, it's a monumental job and to make a computer do it right. Whew. So, well, maybe. I mean, I think that there's, there's definitely advantages to it. I mean, I, I spent many years doing 
hand curated stuff. Um, and you know, humans make mistakes. Humans, um, get sick. Humans, you know, computers yep. don't typically get sick. They're always prompt and biases come have, in all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're always going to have something fresh up there on your website. Yep. Um, you know, irregardless of the human frailties. So there's, there's that, right? I yeah. mean, that's a big part of this as well. Yeah. Um, computers are going to challenge all of us to keep up with them, you know, and you know, now we're heading into another topic area, yeah. but, um, which actually that's a good segue. Jacobs media announced broadcasters meet podcasters at podcast movement. So they're going to have a dedicated day where, uh, I think it's going to be the day before the event, or maybe it's going to be a separate track. Let me, uh, uh, it's not completely clear if it's going to be a separate day or if it's going to be a separate track that has nothing but uh, broadcasters meet podcasters. Any Have you heard anything on this from Dan and the gang? I did talk to Dan last week, so we're starting to talk about um, content for Podcast Movement. He's starting to ramp up those engines. Um He's still at the very early stages. He's he's more th- more thinking about the the podcast cruise. Yeah, because that starts today. Pretty quick. Yeah, it's actually yeah. starting today. But yeah. I think that what what I'm finding interesting here is that they're going to have this track. Um, yeah, this dedicated track, an entire day's worth of sessions, panels, and speakers. So I don't know if they're going to have this the day before. Uh, it's the Jacobs Media folks, which are all about kind of trying to straddling this world between broadcast radio and uh, and podcasting. They're trying to bring them together as part of a, a charge they've been working on for a while. Yeah, um, yeah, it doesn't really say, does it? Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be during concurrently while that. If, if if it's during the event, I think that, but it's going to be a single day. So usually those single day events are the day before. We had a lot of success with our, um, we rented a room at the, um, at the hotel, you know, conference room. And we had a, about a four or five hour, uh, fire hose training session. And we had a great turnout for that last year. We're we're probably going to do it again this year. Um, but if they're doing this whole one day, so the question then is, is if they're having this separate panel the day before the event, is that, are they going to come to that and leave or is it, hopefully it's going to be during the actual podcast movement live, you know, live event days. I'm hoping. I suppose if you go to the podcast movement page, maybe it lists it somehow in a, a schedule, but I'm not sure that they've put a schedule up yet. Yeah. It's still a little early. It is. But uh, three uh, three days, th- thirteen hours, fifty one minutes, and sixteen seconds. Prices go up for podcast movement tickets. <laughs> so if you haven't got your tickets already, please do. August twenty third to the twenty fifth. Yep. All right. It's a little ways out. Yeah, but you, believe it or not, it's going to be like tomorrow. This is like <laughs> the way this year's. I'm still in January, and it's already February. So, so are you going to be doing any traveling? It seems like I, I, you've been pretty locked down at home for a while. Yeah, uh, probably. Uh, you know, I'll start my rounds sometime in March. Um, 
I'll start yeah, making some, making some, you know, going to probably, I need to go to the East Coast and do the New York thing. And so at some point I got to, you know, spend a couple of weeks on the road. Um, it, you know, it, it sucks. I did 142,000 frequent flyer miles last year and I don't necessarily want to repeat that this year. So, yeah, I haven't done as much traveling this year as I did last year. Last year was kind of crazy. But I might, I might, and I've had an inclination, I might uh, go to Brazil and uh, oh. go, go down there and figure out what that, you know, get a better insight into what that scene is doing. And uh, because right now it is exploding. Yeah, uh, I know. It's popular. That whole South America part is actually doing pretty well. Yeah, it's doing really, really well. All right, what else is in my stack here? Uh, I had a couple other things. Um, hmm. Yeah, in, I guess the only really thing it continues to develop on my side that I can publicly talk about is uh, a lot more people wanting to do uh, paywall stuff. So I don't know what uh, you know what that ultimately is going to, you know, if it's going to be successful for for folks or not. Um, I th- I, th- I think it's a you know, it takes a special kind of show to be able to do a paywall. Yeah. It's usually done across archives. Yeah. At this point anyway, which I, I think is a little odd sometimes. Um, but Spreaker had a little bit of a learning experiment this, this past week. Oh yeah. Something that it, it, it tried. Um, so you probably know that Spreaker is known for making all of their listening stats public. Yep. If you knew that, um, so we tried to each list each each show's stats is public. Yeah, each each episode, each uh, show, uh, the the whole thing is transparent. You know, you have followers, you have likes, you yeah. have all that stuff, and everything is transparent. Yeah. Um, oh, this is gonna be interesting. And, yeah. So so we we made a big change to our stats platform. Um, you know, we're building a content management system. We're trying to fold in, uh, all of the, uh, core features and functions to manage your shows on the platform and into one area. Right. So it'd be, you know, so we can add things in there and add, expand, expand that capability and kind of consolidate everything. Well, we, we added stats to that content management area cause it, it had been in another area of the website. Well, with that change, we decided to um, turn off public stats. <laughs> turn off. Yep. And it was kind of it was kind of an experiment um, because we, and it, you can probably blame me a little bit because I I was pushing the company to move towards more of a model where it wasn't um, putting out public stats. I didn't know you guys were doing that to begin with. I should have been scraping your site. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. It's a, good, it, it's a good reason not to put them out, right, Todd? Right, but I wasn't scraping you, so I wasn't gathering them. I didn't know. <laughs> well, you know, uh, putting out public stats is a, uh, is a mixed bag. Right? Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, you know, depending on who you talk to, there's a lot of uh, upsides. Yeah, right. There's a lot of downsides. So if a show's and, shitty, it's down. If a show's great, yeah. it's an up. Right. And they something they cross in the middle. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's that's only like uh, the tip of the iceberg on that one. Okay. So so there's a 
bunch of other things that go on with that too. Um, you know, like we've got a podcast network on our platform that that's pretty popular, um, that really, really likes the public stats, you know, but if you talk to most podcast networks, they will tell you that they don't want their shows stats public. Right. <laughs> but, and that's the message I try and tell the company. Um, but a lot of the show creators on our platform, um, they, that's how they get their stats. They go to their show pages oh. and look at their, their episode pages and say, Oh, I got, you know, a thousand plays or downloads and it, it's right there. Everybody sees it. The show host sees it. That's where they get, that's where they've been getting their stats. Right. So it's like, but on, you know, like your platform and Lipson, whatever, they have to log into, yeah. a, you know, their account. They have to go into the stats area or they have to look it up. Or right? they get a quick look via the API and the dashboard of their WordPress yeah. site. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I have that on, on my blog as well. And, um, so, you know, people get into this rhythm of how they, they like to look at things. Right. And. People, you know, it's the whole change thing, right? If you change things on them. So we oh. basically pulled it off of the website, the public stats, which was like, you know, that was like breaking people's world, right? Of how they've been doing things. And we put all the stats <laughs> into the CMS system, right? Right. Well, people were pissed off. It's like, where's my stats? I lost all my plays. Because people don't, I guess on our platform, they don't think to look in a stats area, right? So... <laughs> So you have this this kind of dynamic, and it, it's not bad. It just tells you that you know how different people in this audio uh, podcasting area kind of think of things differently, right? It doesn't. The models, I guess, that you know, like like what this more traditional podcasting don't always apply to all these platforms because people get used to something different, and and I guess the the whole public stats thing is complicated for just like what you said, there, there's ego involved here, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if a show is really popular and has been on speaker for five or six years, we have total listens and some shows will have like 4 million right. plays or whatever on the platform. And when we took that down, all that stuff went down. Right. And it wasn't just, there anymore. Oh, I'm so sorry. How was your email? <laughs> And then, and then we, uh, but we rolled it back. We put it all back again. You, you know. So, so what what happened was is that we we've we've decided the best model for this is to turn it on by default, right? And then give them the option to turn it off, right? Because because certain shows are not going to want to have public stats, and we're only going to attract shows that are that are cool with that, right? So it's like. You know, and I talked to this big network and they're like going, we just like the transparency of, and I could go in a little bit more on this one. Well, but, I'm sure. And, and you'll laugh, but this, this, this network was founded on a show that used to be on podcast one. They came over, they followed me off of podcast one and they right. built a network and it's really popular. Uh, but these guys really, really like the public stats because they like to share it with their ad buyers. Right, say, right, right. You can see? go, go any of these shows, go see their stats. They're public, right? right They're right, good right. stats. It's not a problem. I mean, we're, we're now as compliant with the IAB as we can, right? Based on the, the limited, you know, yep. standards that are put out there. Um, 
So anyway, so they were like going, you know, put our stats back, you know. So in, in, in about a month, we're going to revisit this and you're going to have to tell me what the percentage turned it off. Yeah, well, that function hasn't been added yet because we uh-huh. didn't build that. We built, take it down, put it all in a stats area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and the problem is people didn't know where the hell the stats area was. That's And they funny. thought they lost all their numbers. Well, you know, starting about uh, the week before Christmas, we've, you know, the dev team had been working heavy on. So we went to a new, we've been collecting it for years, but we um, switched the way we were going to process stuff. So now on our system, um, a podcaster can get as much information. The daily stuff wasn't as complex before. They couldn't get as much daily information. But now a podcaster can go down on a specific episode and look at how they did on a specific day. And you used to just yeah. look at the episode. Now they can look at an episode and what happened on a specific day. So we peeled the onion as far back as we can to drive the linear drive down to see and they can even look on that day how many people listen on iTunes, Chrome, blah, blah, blah. They can do all that on a single day of information. Yeah. And uh, so, as you would imagine, when you add that extra onion of the layer, it's like a, it's like a genealogy tree. You start out with the parents, and it just goes like this, right? So the database uh, entries uh, get expe- exponentially more. So we knew when we made this change that the database was going to grow, it was going to take longer to process the, the, the stats, all this stuff. We kind of, in our head, mathematically said, okay, this is what it's going to take. Well, when we turned it on, <laughs> you know, it was like the server, first of all, the server that, the, the collection happens on one set of yeah. infrastructure and the processing happens on another. So no chance of any data was ever going to be lost. But the server that, had been, you know, running around, you know, fat, dumb, and happy for a while, it basically collapsed. <laughs> I mean, it just fell over, you know, because it, it melted down. It, huh? Yeah, it melted down. So, um, you know, and it, it, we had to revert back to the old database and updates. So we had a couple of days of, uh, you know, a little bit of chaos behind the scenes, uh, getting it, make sure everything was synced up and working. And I said, okay, go back and fix this stupid thing and make sure when we turn it on again, that, um, you know, it's going to work. It's not going to fall over and I'm not going to get 82, um, you know, support tickets because yeah. my stats aren't updated. <laughs> well, the guys work to post Christmas and then near the end of January, we're ready. Okay. Let's go round two. Right. And, um, and like anything else, you think you've planned for all contingencies and in, instead of taking 24 hours to process, the stats data, you know, with the other machine had fallen over. We are now up to like six hours to process 24 hours of data. But, you know, we were doing that every six hours. So would, the machine would barely get done <laughs> with processing, um, you know, the and it would start processing again. But anyway, so poor Angelo and poor Mike, you know, Mike on the sport team, because, you know, they, they've had um, and we found out. And this was kind of an eye opener for us. Man, people are like, I thought I was stats crazy. <laughs> you know, and, and I won't name the show, but I had a show like, I mean, this guy had me on blast on Twitter, on Facebook, 
on email like every 30 minutes. He's like, what the fuck's going on with my stats? You know, and I and I'm like, it's coming, it's coming. We're you know, we're stay calm. Nothing's been lost. We're just a little behind. And I mean, it's like every thirty minutes, this guy's got me on hammering me. And I and I, you know, I finally look up his show. <laughs> Average of fifty two downloads per episode. And <laughs> he's savoring every one of those downloads, Todd. It's like I got to fifty three today. <laughs> And he's got me on blast. I mean, Twitter, email, Facebook, and 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 you know, okay, you know, I can laugh now, uh, but people are yeah crazy about shit, stats. crazy yeah. about their stats. <laughs> you know, and uh, we used to update non uh, non paying customer stats more often. Now we're only updating them at once every twenty four hours. So I'm still dealing with that backlash, but um, it's, it's it's a matter of server resources. If someone's paying for the service, yep. we have to take care of them first. They're going to get their data. No, no, nothing's lost. Everything's you know being collected. It's all good. But I'm just you know I'm batch processing non-paying subscribers every 24 hours versus you know every every four to six hours. So you know the the paying customers can come in and at any time hit update and and their stats are. Um, up the date within 60 minutes they can manually refresh at any time but we took in that refresh capability off for a couple of weeks while we were dealing with this uh you know with this server sitting you know pouring buckets of ice on it trying to uh deal with this uh you know this change and it forced us to go and really it was a good change now we're, we'll be good for years because we've had to go to a you know I, i'm paying like it's crazy the server infrastructure just to run the stats processing databases and everything is is thousands of dollars a month, and um, it's uh, it's it, it, the data that is being processed is is pretty incredible. If you think about forty five thousand shows and every episode and every download is being logged, that uh, that adds up some significant uh, significant data. Yeah, so it was interesting. It was really an eye-opening yeah, I'm sh- thing yeah, I'm sure. this week, and it sounds like it's it's <laughs> you know. So Todd, if you ever choose to put out stats publicly, and oh, I guess no, that's no. a question that that I have for you is is it you know this model is being done by SoundCloud and 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 a, and maybe a couple others out there. I know that there's a Spanish um, podcasting platform that I saw in Spain that puts out their numbers. Uh, publicly with each episode. You know, if you look at YouTube, YouTube has been doing yeah. this uh, for a long time. We started, uh, we, you know, it was when we started in the beginning, we said we'll not share your information, and we don't. We don't share, in the, you know, I would never name a show and give them their numbers publicly unless they've given me permission to do so. Well, and, if they get a get a show on our platform, <clears throat> they have to accept that by default because oh. everybody has it, right? Um, yeah. If we roll it back and we change it so shows have the option to turn them off, then then we've given them all their choices. Yeah. Uh, but I've I've wondered if we've limited our our growth as a platform because we made our stats public. That's a good question. I don't know. Uh, we'll have to ask the audience whether or not they would. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I I just. It, I think you. I think it'll be the same exact thing that you guys have, Rob. Popular shows will be happy to have their stats public. 
and those that aren't will not. You know, I think that's a. Uh, it could cause could cause a show to leave the platform. It, it could cause a show to quit. It may not quit otherwise. That's true too. Sure. You know, they might be embarrassed um, about their numbers. So, I don't know. I, I, I and and what is that threshold, right? What is okay numbers versus well, embarrassing numbers? But you know that that's that's the problem. I. You know, I keep telling podcasters, and I've told them for years, I'm like, uh, where do you work? How many, you know, the owner of your company, how many people does he have access to? You know, 300, 500, 1,000, of course, big companies, you know, lots. But for the most part, most people work for small businesses, and their bosses don't reach as many people as you, the Joe employee, are reaching. So, you know, what is a successful number? For me, uh, you know, as much as I love my audience, um, I do the show a lot for me. You know? I mean, it's in some ways it's it's even more than that. It's like, well, if you're going to put your numbers out, what is that threshold that you're proud of or well, you're okay with? Yeah, right. Versus doing your show without your public, yeah. the public seeing your numbers, you're probably put up with smaller numbers if you don't put your numbers out. Yeah, right. I haven't gotten any emails from anyone in many, many months, basically, and it used to get them weekly where people say, I've got a show, it's doing this type of, you know, I guess I've been public enough that, uh, you know, people been in the space long enough, people know better than to call me and bullshit me on their, on their numbers. So, um, but, you know, I think a lot of podcasters are aware of the consequences of putting out the wrong numbers. And especially when it comes to advertising deals, they can have detrimental effects and that you could ruin an advertiser for life for being in the space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is, this is the, this is the risk that podcasters run. If you, if you cook the books on your numbers. Um, and if it's a new advertiser, small company, they, they could never, they may never come back. And, you know, but the big companies, they kind of know the variances and stats between companies. And we've actually recently been doing some, uh, some work looking at uh, and publicly with this with the company, with the parties involved, looking at each other's numbers and uh, looking at some disparities and figuring out where that is coming from and what's causing it. And and oftentimes, what we find is that the implementation hasn't been made. Stats implementation hasn't been made in every place their show's going, or something's getting stripped. So, um, yeah, I don't think we talk about stats enough, do we, Todd? And the are all you, of the uh, are you, all of the are you being not, facetious or no, 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 no. I, we typically talk about stats in the context of monetization, right? We haven't talked a lot, and and, and we have today. We we haven't talked a lot about stats from a a content perspective mm. and stats from a, a you know public versus private. Mm -hmm. Stats versus, you know, kind of the, the psychology of a podcaster. I mean, these are all complex yep. issues that every podcaster has to deal with as they grow and develop a show. I mean, there's psychological challenges that go with this too. Yeah. Um, and how a podcaster deals with those challenges will determine whether they're successful or not. And I think too is, uh, 
you know, I've seen a lot of shows go for years and they have relatively small audiences. They're happy with their show. They're, ha- they're happy with having a niche, small, well-known audience. And I've got, me- I've got people listen to my Geek News Central that I've, uh, become friends with. And, um, you know, this show too, obviously, but you know, you know, been doing that show for 12 years and people have been with me from the beginning, you know, and, um, I appreciate that more than anything. Yeah. So. That takes dedication, man. Yeah. To to, to stick with one podcast for 12 or 13 years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, for most people that's, that's longer than people typically stay married. Right. Right. So what does that tell you? Of course, it's a little bit different level of commitment, but. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. Having a sponsor has made, you know, they did probably the, I don't, can't say that it wouldn't have survived, but having a sponsor all that time, it helped, has helped. Oh yeah. You know, sure. funds this, you know, keeps my lights on, keeps my family fed. You know, that's, it's a big part of it. So. Yeah. Well, you've made a full-time career out of podcasting, yeah. Todd. I mean, there's not a lot of people that can say that they've been able to build what you've built not, based on and not, podcasting. And not too many people can say that I stand on my... It, most people don't know that I take a very small stipend from Raw Voice. You know, at some yeah. point, I will. someday I'll go on the payroll, you know, but my payroll is from my podcast. What I yeah. make, what I personally, how I survive... How Geek News sent Geek my show pays my insurance, my food bill, my you know all the stuff that I need to to live in Hawaii, you know. So you know I do get a, a stipend, a board of director stipend from Raw Voice, but uh, and that's a lot of it's been on stubbornness on my part to prove that I can make this work. But um, you know, it's, at some point that that's going to obviously change, and I'll be and then. Uh, then I guess I'll be really living high on the hog. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> Todd driving around Rolls Royces and stuff. No, no, there'll never be a Rolls Royce. <laughs> I'm the guy that drives the vehicle until the wheels fall off, you know. So uh, my last car that I sold had 367,000 miles on it. So I'm not a, uh, you're never going to see me in a Rolls way in hell. <laughs> not in this well, lifetime. See- yeah, but Todd, if the if the only thing that happens to the car is that the tire, tires fall off, you just get new tires. Well, that's right. And then you, you drive until the you know trainee falls out, and then you put a new trainee in it, and you know, I kind of draw Todd's, the line at motors. When motors go bad, it's time to get rid of them. Todd's Todd's tailpipe dragging down the freeway. Yeah, that's it. It's you have you've heard of a Costa Canarly, right? <laughs> Costa Canarly is a car that is driven by a person that is of uh, either very tight in the purse or of meager means and a coast at Canarly is a car that coasts down one hill and can hardly get up the next. So you get a rutted start if you want to get yeah, up the hill. Yeah, you know, you stop on the gas all the way down the bottom and you pray that you made it to the top on the other side. Especially if you got a transmission that's slipping. You know? Awesome. So. <laughs> it's true though. I drive my vehicles until they literally collapse and I call, you know, whoever whatever donation service to come get them and tow them away so <laughs> pray for a good uh, good tailwind right <laughs> right you know but 
hey, a lot, a lot of airplanes save a lot of jet fuel with tailwinds, you know? Yeah, yeah. Some people buy cars. <laughs> I buy cameras, you know, so. <laughs> Video cameras, yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's a, you know, it is a, um, as far as stats, you know, we, we're laughing here, but uh, the only way that this was possible to do this, Rob, was to stay consistent and crank and work hard and keep the advertiser happy. And, you know, I, I, I fight that battle every month. I have to make my numbers. I'm not exempt. You know, yeah. so. Everybody has to really play by the same rules here. Yeah. You know, um, and they're they're challenging rules. You know, this, this podcasting is not an easy thing. No, no, no. It's you know, in in many retrospect, it's it's harder because you if you have a, if you're a big network, you know, you've got the power of that network to promote, and you've vetted, and you've you know, you've case studied, and you've done you know, you've done all this stuff to say is this show going to be a hit or not, and they even get it wrong. You know. Uh, oh yeah. Stuff doesn't. I mean, hit. even. The biggest players cancel shows yeah. left and right. I mean, not everything works. But the beauty is we didn't spend a million dollars to do it. You can buy a $49 microphone and plug it into your computer. And for 10 bucks, you can have your show and you can have a podcast and you can reach a worldwide audience. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of it. Yep. You know, and you don't have to, you don't have to have this big budget you know, and this is where you flip the bird. You know, this is going back. You, know, you flip the bird to the mainstream media. You don't like what's going on, what's being said. Do your own show. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. You know, and that's what both of our platforms are all about, Todd. Right. Is 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 basically enabling people in a very cost-effective way to get their get what they want to talk about out there. Hey, we did get an email from a listener. We can't say who that is. Oh of, yes, we did. Yes, yeah. We did. did did you find any information out about Sirius doing anything? Well, I just went to their to the link there, and it looked like there was uh, a platform that they were building. It's basically an app, is what it is. Um, that's going to make podcasts available. It's just another aggregator listening app. Is what it looks like. To so, me. is it going to be a podcast? Is it going to be podcast of Sirius content? No, I thought, uh, from what I could tell, it was a serious podcatcher um, of, of sorts. Y- you submit your podcast to them, just like you do with you know any other, you know Stitcher, what's or the, iTunes. What's the game there? Uh, you know. Oh, I bet. Serious maybe wants to be known as a content distribution platform. That's kind of what they are on satellite radio, right? So are they trying to compete with iHeart? I think that's a very po- very good possibility. Mm. Was that link public that we can share? I don't know. I think it's a it's it's a beta program by invitation only, I believe. But I'm not sure. That's actually a good question. Do mm. you want to share that link? No. We need to ask first. Okay. All right. Um, we got we some one of our listeners sent it to us, and we weren't aware of it. So, um, but we don't. I I've, I've been to their site. Um, 
and it just looks like it's something new. And it's the serious satellite radio folks that are behind this. It doesn't really say that on their website, though. Did you notice that? Yeah. So they, they are kind of hiding it. I have um, I have to be careful. I have been talking with the... Well, I, I just be careful. I, I can't say anything. Um, so it's interesting that there is... There is a um, movement here, but I, I, if if they have a public way, this is this is going to you know be something that will set them apart. If they have a public way to submit shows versus um, vendor relationships, um, I think it'll be good for Sirius. I think they'll very rapidly ramp up the number of shows that are being submitted mm-hmm. to them. I mean, from what I could tell, it looked like they were doing it the right way. Yeah. Being an open platform for submissions. Yep. And that's uh, it's real important right now in the space uh, that uh, platforms are open because not all of them, you know, several of them are pretty closed. Yeah. Quite a few, actually. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, uh, and that builds... How should we call it? Well, that builds resentment in the community. Well, it it tends to create layers, right? Yep. Layers of haves and have-nots. Right, and, right. And I know that certain parts of this, um, well, certain individuals that are involved loosely in podcasting have been promoting that separation. And right. And it's, it, the, and it, and it's it, the big guys, and then it's the independents, right? right? And it drives me yeah. absolutely. I mean, it drives me insane. To be honest with you, it does. And uh, I, I don't think those companies understand the resentment towards them that that develops across the have-nots. You know, it's one thing to be able to be considered and rejected. It's another thing not to have the opportunity to be even be submitted. Yeah. So I'll, yep. let you, I'll let you guys read between the lines on that. Well, it's it's just it's tone deafness to the foundations of this medium is what it is. It's a it's a big corporate approach to creating um, is it this scarcity model again, which yeah. oftentimes is the hallmark of these big companies trying to promote scarcity to, to help build their market share. And you know, it's in, in what, in what the, what the realization is and what doesn't happen at those companies is they don't understand the benefit of being open and the, and the promotion that would happen by the community at large and adoption. And, you know, there would be uh their platform would benefit greatly. Uh, platforms would benefit greatly by being open and inclusive, and they would um, gain bigger market share. They see it as uh, increasing their costs and and more difficult to differentiate. So I think you know, playing the devil's advocate here a little bit. Um, that's kind of how they they look at it. Right. It's like, well, 
what I have is better than you. Oh, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, I think that's part part of the psychology behind it. Um, no, I would never expect a company like Podcast One or you know to ever open up their platform. That, that's I wouldn't expect them to them the, as a network. I would not expect into my network. Yeah, and I'm not. Yeah, I agree. I think to some degree you're you're correct. I I think even Podcast One taking on 200 shows is a lot. Um, from the standpoint of that they're trying to support those shows, right. right? They're trying to offer premium services to those shows. But, and that, you know, but when you difficult. have a global player like Sirius, who looks like they're about ready to open up shop, um, yep. that to me is, uh, and they're going to make it accessible to all. Yep. Well, guess who I'm going to be promoting? Yeah. As I'm knocking on the desk. You know, the question gets back to is, is this kind of a stealthy effort on the part of Sirius, um, to get a foothold, but most people aren't going to know that it's serious. Hmm. Do you, do you, do you know what I'm saying? Cause they don't want to erode their current sub- subscriber base. Yeah. I think that they, you know, that's, that's one of those dilemmas, right? That these big companies have is. If they go too far down this path, then they have the potential of eroding their existing business models. Now, I know all of you are going to start looking. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we, we purposely, I just, uh, we'll see, we'll get, try to get some clarification and see if we can share this link. But, um, well, from what we gather, it was uh, information that was shared on private emails to <laughs> certain, certain, um, podcasters i'll I'll just put it to you that way yeah and we love those kinds of tips that kind of stuff keep them coming folks keep you know keep (laughs) keep that juicy stuff coming and we kept you at the end of the show to to learn about it too (laughs) that was totally done by accident actually it was (laughs) i know totally (laughs) and for our country we're not that believe me we're not that conniving no 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 and I just was thinking, what else? We had one other thing to talk about today. But anyway, Rob, I need to bounce. I got a, another interview in 15 minutes, so I need to okay. roll out. Go do it. But uh, do it. we'll see if we can share that link uh, with you. And um, if we can, uh, it'll, it'll be breaking here first. <laughs> Unless Who knows? maybe somebody else will break yeah, it. Yeah, someone else will break yeah. it now. They'll, they'll find the information out. Uh, go digging around. All right, everyone, thanks for being here. If you've got comments, uh, Rob, how they reach you? Uh, Rob at uh, Spreaker.com or Rob at Rob Greenlee, either one, Uh, and on Twitter at Rob Greenlee, and that's with two E's. Thank you. And you can get me at Todd at Blueberry.com or uh, at Geek News on uh, Twitter, of course, the Facebook Todd Cochran, but uh, Geek News Central is the main page, and you'll find, of course, the new media show at NewMediaShow.com, and subscribe to the show if you aren't already. Tell your fellow podcasters to... uh, to come on and also the pod to pod slack channel is pretty cool uh, lots of information being shared there so if you're not on the pod to pod slack channel uh, definitely make sure you get added to that all right everyone thanks for being here we'll uh, see you next week on the new media show everyone take care bye-bye bye